Hello everyone. My name's Jeremy. This is Beat, all the way from LA. LA. I know it's weird to say LA because I just moved there, but yeah. You're New York based. I'm a New Yorker. Yeah. yeah. And um, Beat is an author, spiritually orientated author and speaker. She does many wonderful, amazing things. I'm very lucky. She's had an incredible upbringing. A very um, as we were about to find out, I think we was chatting what we what we think is relevant to talk about. Um, and anyone chuck your hands up if you've got questions throughout it. Like, we want it to feel open, open vibes. Um, but I think chatting to Bea briefly before this, um, what excites me about hearing and unstrapping her story is the um, significant levels of trauma that she's transcended or moved through. And I find that um, we're talking a bit like how that's a, almost like the degree to which you're challenged or traumatized. The, the greater the degree or the more severe that is, the greater your capability in um, expanding or going beyond it because it's a more challenging thing. So I was really impressed when I heard your story. Um, and I think it would be nice to just like maybe start from, just give people the date dot. Yeah. Little, little update. Little I'm, update on how it all should go. Yeah. Um, let's see. I... It's a mixed bag, right? So my family was Russian immigrants, Russian Jews, and uh, living in Russia, communist Russia, which as, as a Jew is just a terrible place to live. And uh, my father was a doctor and, uh, and a jazz musician, anyone? Right, a blend, a blend of things. And then he uh, got tuberculosis and he was gonna die. And so um, someone came to him and was like, listen, uh, you don't need to die. There's a secret thing you could do. You could be killed if you do it because in communist Russia it's illegal to pursue spiritual things. But he was like, I'll do anything. So what was the thing? Uh, he moved into the woods and started studying with a secret shaman who taught him fourth way work, which is the work that I'm bringing to the world. And he taught him fourth way work. He brought the Torah into his life. My father had never known that he was a Jew because you weren't allowed to speak about that. And, um, and he... He learned Hatha Yoga and Ayurvedic medicine and cured himself of tuberculosis. And in doing so, came to find this awakening and decided to devote his life to that awakening. And so he came to my mom and he's like, do you want to bang and create a freedom child? <laughs> you said that so straight that I was like, did you just say that? <laughs> yeah, I just, I unfortunately, my father was like a very open man and I had to hear about that like all of my life. Like, them having sex and like the orgasms that she had and just like many details I wish I had known. <laughs> Did they get a point in hearing about it where you, well, how many how many stories in before it started being like I can deal with this now? Uh, no, never that never happened. <laughs> I mean, I always felt very proud. I think on the outside, I felt very proud that I had this father who was so eccentric and who was so open because I had no rules growing up. You know, I just lived like a wolf in the woods. You know, so I liked that. Uh, my ego likes that, but I think there was a part of me that was just kind of like, what the fuck? Why are you telling me this shit? You know. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, they had sex and the, with the intention of creating a freedom child, which would be a, a baby born into freedom. And then they conceived me and decided to move to the States. And I was born in the States. And the whole idea of it was going to be like a yoga ashram and like my mom was going to run it and my dad was going to be like the Osho of the whole thing, you know, and it was just all going to be so idyllic. 
And then everyone in my family started to die one by one, starting with my mom. And it was just, just a very tragic life. But then at the same time, my father was this awakened teacher. So nothing was tra nothing's ever tragic when you're in the presence of an awakened teacher. Because tragedy is on earth. But if you're in the cosmos, if you're having a life that's a blend of cosmos and earth, then you're going to have a lot of freedom. And so I never felt the full weight of my mother's death on an earth, on an earthly level, because I was so busy transcending and studying meditation with him and speaking about the philosophical meaning of it all. Mm. Um, and so that's kind of how I grew up. See, I find it fascinating also, like when you talk about the different dimensions of where you uh, operate or experience, like we can, we can experience more transcended states through certain practices and some, like how much we integrate that. I'm, I'm fascinated about the relevance of getting down and dirty in life and in the real world, you know, when you've, when you've got that. Because it's one thing to be woke in the mountains, but like to be able to be in the world and like integrate your wokeness. No, I mean, work's a terrible word, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, but that's, that's what fourth way work is. Right. It's founded on this principle of like awakening for a man who wants to pursue materialism, sex, wealth, consumerism, like how do you pursue those things? Uh, it sort of reminds me of like the new Ed Sheeran song, Beautiful People. I don't know if you've heard that song, but it's one of the most beautiful songs I've ever heard. And I, I doubt that most people hear it the way I do because I'm such a weirdo and the way that I hear things is just so different. Mm. But You also um, used to be a singer as well. I am a singer. Yeah. But you're professional. Professionally. Yeah, and now, yeah, now I score my meditations with my own. Music. Oh, yeah, so cool. Yeah. Um, and I'm actually writing my new record right now. Oh, so great. Very wow. Yeah. So he, um, wait, what's the thing? So Ed Sheeran wrote the song Beautiful People, and the whole thing is about how he doesn't want to become like one of those beautiful people who has like a Porsche and like face plastic surgery and is like, and he says in the song, well, that's not who we are. We are not beautiful. But it's such a weird, because he's like a number one hit artist and he does roll around in fancy cars and he does go to award ceremonies and performs in mass stadiums. So the beauty of that synergy to me is what fourth way work is all about. It's like having like Jay-Z levels of success or in this case, Ed Sheeran levels of success, but having like the humility and contact with the divine of a homeless person in the street who is just having like a completely detached spiritual awakening and no, no ties to earth whatsoever. Because you'd say that'd be more challenging, right? Like that's more challenging. I find that personally more challenging to bring myself into the world lovingly in the face of someone that's really rubbing up in my face. That's more challenging than just bringing yourself lovingly, staring at a tree. Yeah, I mean, I think homelessness, um, is, it sounds like a tremendous way to pursue enlightenment, just like heroin and cocaine and prostitution and I'm sure we can list a bunch of things that will get you to enlightenment in a dark way but I do think it is a harder work to actually become Abraham Lincoln or Rumi you know that's different because then you actually had to make the effort to be seen in the world and mm -hmm. that takes great cojones yeah yeah so can we talk through some of the specific examples of those challenges how old you were when you lost your parents um, and, and, you know, also with your best friends and so on and so forth. And like maybe some specific practices that took you through those times. Well, heroin was the thing that took me through those times. So I can't, you know, I can't recommend it more strongly. <laughs> <laughs> but it did help me to survive. Um, I, 
If you haven't tried it, there's there's a tent at Wanderlust that is selling over there, and it's of course it's like branded properly, so it's like in a nice millennial pink bag and like with like a gold sticker on it, but it could kill you if you're lucky. Well, you know, because death is the sheerest ecstasy that we can possibly experience but we're told that it's not and so we suffer greatly in fear of this mm-hmm. wonderful thing that's heading our way but anyway um everyone died um my mom died all my grandparents died they had raised me i got signed to sony when i was 18 which was like part of that beginning of the music journey and i didn't but i didn't know i was a spiritual teacher my father was the spiritual teacher and he had a beard and he was 60 and that's what spiritual teachers look like to me so i didn't know that the universe or god or whatever you want to call it wanted me to be a spiritual teacher i thought that the universe wanted me to be an artist which to me also equaled being like broke and confused and dating all the wrong people you know that was like the, the the bag that i had selected and then like life just got harder and harder um i got hooked on drugs and that, or I guess first I had a near-death experience where like I had a seven-pound tumor in my uterus. I was hauled off to the hospital and it was removed so that I could have children by this guy who's like my father had saved his life. So he did it just out of the love of my father, like snuck me into the VIP ward of his hospital and carved out this tumor. Actually carved it out? Carved it out, which, and no one else would have done because it was a, a corrosive tumor that had, like anyone else would have given me a hysterectomy, which would be the end of me being able to have children. Right. And he carved it out and was like, okay, so you have two years to have kids. And I was 24. I was like, I don't, what? I don't have kids. And of course, two years to the day, I got pregnant, like accidentally. And so I was like, I'm having this baby because it's my only chance to have children. And I got dry. I don't know if you know the terminologies because it's so sober terms, but like I stopped drinking miserably to have this baby. And, you know, nobly, but not, I didn't have that bright kind of like, ha ha, like I am, I will do whatever you say, universe moment. Um, and then she was born perfectly healthy and she died four months later of sudden infant death syndrome. And so that was like a huge shock in in my life, and, but it wasn't enough. Like as soon as she died, I picked up heroin in a way that I had never picked it up before to kind of cope with that. And then my best friend hung himself and then my house burnt down. And then I moved into my house that had burnt down and lived in it. Like, you ever seen Fight Club? Yeah. It was, it was like that. Wow. It was like living, there was like water, like it was total insanity. And I did heroin every day, waiting for them to come fix this house, but they, they never came. And so um, finally my father died. And that was, uh, that was like the beginning of the awakening for me. So that's how I coped until so then. When, when yeah. your father died specifically, yeah. that was the turning point? Uh, not for like a year after. Like, so my dad died in 2008 and 2009 I got sober. But it was like a year of like, have you seen Requiem for a Dream? Yeah. It was like that, <laughs> it got worse. It kind of went to a place where I had disintegrated into something that I would not call a person anymore. Like I was no longer a person. What, what, can you give us, for those that haven't experienced that level of disintegration, what it's like embodying that state? Like what, what, what do you feel like on a daily basis? What's your outlook on life? Mm, I mean, everyone's different, you know? So I think for me, because again, I feel like I've always had this really rich 
fulfilling connection with the with outer space. So I think I hid away in that. But what it felt like on Earth was I was broke, I was lonely, I was confused. I couldn't quite put one and two together to make three. Every time I tried, uh, no, that's probably a lie. I never tried. I wasn't willing to do the work on the ground. I didn't know how to live on the planet. So it just felt dis, um, disempowered. And, um, and I felt afraid because I knew I had this great vision of ambition, but like I had a dream that I would fall in love with someone and like make babies. Mm -hmm. I had a dream that I would know how to make money and make tons of it. I had a dream that I would be successful with my music and none of that was going to happen if I kept going mm. on that route. With, with, the, with the upbringing of your father and all the things he taught you growing up, it feels like it's a, he's a pretty good person to give you a good guidebook to life. Mm. How much of that did you feel like, when, when did you start? Like, do you feel like that was helpful? Did that make you react to mm -hmm. that stuff or, you know? Yeah, it was super helpful in making me like one of the most brilliant people on the planet. <laughs> super not helpful in teaching me how to be grounded on the planet in the sense of like, how do you make money? How do you not fuck random people? Or in his case, your students. Like, how do you not behave like a person who has no belief of, on in life? You know, like... My dad was very much of the belief in bliss. He pursued bliss. He pursued hedonistic pleasures and bliss and, and philosophy. And so I was great at those things, you know, but I didn't know how to like pay my rent or land a relationship that didn't fail. And so what, the, the year after you passed, what, what was the thing that made you go clean or dry or, you know, like go sober? I had this, so in my book, I speak about this thing called divided attention. And divided attention is a meditation tool that you can use at any time. So the way that it works is you just float above yourself with your imagination and you see yourself from above while you're living life. So we could do it right now, like while we're on the stage. And it soothes you because on some level, you're seeing that you're not just this. You're, you're also able to be remembering who you truly are. And so I floated up and I saw myself. And I think I just saw that I was someone who was hopelessly headed towards a very, very dismal end and that it wasn't going to get better. It was going to get progressively worse. So it's a moment of perspective, a moment of pulling back. Yeah. That's interesting. That, yeah, because when I went through depression, that was the, it was the moment where I admitted, looked, looked at myself from a third view or like outside your body and go, you, you're, you're depressed, that body's depressed. Yeah. And that, that was the first point where I pivoted to slowly get away from it mm -hmm. and do regular practices to pull myself out of it. But it's interesting that it's a similar thing, you know, like taking that, taking a step from outside of yourself. And it's amazing how we've got that capability. And that's what meditation does, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. The witnessing, dropping into the witnessing. Yeah, it does. And it's funny because it's the most pain, it's the worst news you ever receive. And it's like the best news we ever got, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like you get this news, you're a fucking asshole. I mean, that was the news I received. Yeah. You're a fucking asshole, fucking up your life, and it's going to get worse and worse from now on. And I think of that now, like when I live my life, as I go forward, you know, I still get bad news sometimes from those abilities to see. But I used to think it was bad news, and now I'm just like, every time I see something new, I'm just so grateful that I get to see it. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, yeah, like show me every every dirty secret that I have. I have no interest in holding on to these things. So empowering, isn't it? Because you've got a choice then to do something with it and it, the little tools to evolve, I guess. That's, mm -hmm. we probably agree, like nature's 
or existence's greatest desire is to evolve. Well, that's the Vedic point of view as well, I guess. But that seems to be true whenever I look around. Like all that's ever going on is just evolution. And so that these are the specific areas in which you as a human localized field of awareness can evolve. Yeah. So you you welcome them, I guess. But they are unpleasant. You've got to admit they're unpleasant. You got, you ignore them for a while sometimes and you create... I push them away sometimes or like you just, no, I don't feel like it now. Or mm-hmm. There's a lot of resistance. Oh, yeah, for sure. And also like it doesn't always have come internally. Sometimes uh, intervals come externally. Like difficulties will arise seemingly from the outside. Rejection will occur. You'll get no's in the world. I mean, anyone who's really successful knows that there's flow and then there's whatever the fuck the opposite of flow is. And so when you're in that opposite of flow point, it's like the world is also seeming like it's giving you a bunch of no's, but there's a reason for that. The world is giving you that so that you can really stop and fess up. Um, and, and you know what I love too? is think there's this idea that enlightenment is like this arrival point. Like you get there, you're enlightened and that's it. And then you just sit under a lotus tree and like, Thank God it finally happened. And I read Siddhartha when I was like 13 and I, I, was, I was really fooled. Obviously, the message of Siddhartha probably wasn't that, but that's how I took it. I was like, okay, this means that if I go forward and I try to find enlightenment, I'll find it and then I'll be free. You know, that's what they promise you, freedom from your suffering, all this shit. And what I've actually discovered from having tastes of enlightenment is enlightenment is like a wheel. You return to it over and over again. And the funny thing is, is that the first, the last thing that you feel right before you feel enlightenment is humility. Like you literally have to be disintegrated into nothing or uh, what some people call bug soup in the, you know, the, what do you call that? cocoon that turns into a butterfly Uh, chrysalis Chrysalis. like a chrysalis turns into bug soup and then from that soup awakens so how does that sounds terrible like melting into completely like everything's melted in Mm. a lava Mm, mm, mm. and then from that lava you're reborn and so that's what we're talking about right like that's not comfortable uh humility and ironically so i just try to get i pray to be humbled and i actually like invite humility um, because I, I have no interest in drinking my own Kool-Aid. <laughs> Did, what, what were the practices, daily practices, like for you when you were really making those significant changes? Because it would have been very, very challenging, I bet, and the temptation would have always been there. Um, like, what did you do on a regular basis, or on oh, a daily to, basis? to not do heroin, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I kicked heroin in two days, which was crazy. Um, you know, like Ray Charles in a dark room kind of thing. Yeah. Was, was that like just cold turkey? Yeah, it's sort of like that John Lennon and Yoko Ono song, you know, like eating chocolate cake in a bag. The newspaper said they looked just like two gurus in drag. It was like that. <laughs> <laughs> it was painful. Um, it's fucking excruciating, but I love it. I wouldn't trade it for the world. I'm so grateful that I didn't, I don't believe, I don't. No, I believe in doctors, but I didn't believe, I don't like follow systems. My father taught me to be a rebel and a renegade human. And so I just do things my way. Mm-hmm. So that was the way I did it. But then of course, yeah, like you come into life and it's like, what are the practices? I did everything, like fucking journaling, meditating every day. I started at 15 minutes a day. That's all I could fucking 
pull off because my when you're coming off heroin addiction and self-absorption like I was, there's not a lot of attention span, so it was just like all I could handle. And after about a few years, that turned to hours of meditation and starting groups and like uh, returning to my father's work in fourth way and studying fourth way like my life depended on it. Um, affirmations, personal development, you name it. I did it. I tried it. Amazing. Yeah. Well, who started fourth way? When did that originate? Gurdjieff. I don't know. Have you heard of him? Gurdjieff. Gurdjieff. No, I don't know. Yeah, he was like a mystic who traveled to India and. Uh, learned about Sufism and ancient sects of Hinduism and then brought this information back to Russia and started like a cult. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up he was Russia. actually Osho's teacher. Like Osho oh, really? was constantly speaking about Yeah, so him and Osho and I have a lot in common other than that I, I don't sleep with my students. <laughs> <laughs> Anymore. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. If you can convince me. <laughs> um, so cult life. So, so you don't, and then this isn't culty? No, like, no, I'm not interested in cults. I'm yeah. not interested in being in a cult or guiding a cult. The, the teachings are very beautiful and they shouldn't be disseminated in a cult-like fashion. Uh, my father was like a wolf student. He studied it completely alone, like Steppenwolf and Hess. Like it was just very, and he didn't believe in groups. You know, he, again, he was like this crazy rebel. So when he died, I had to pursue schools that taught fourth-way stuff because I was like, I'm going to find this stuff, and it's all hidden, and a lot of the people who teach it are like these weird old white dudes who didn't totally get it, you know, those people. It was just weird. But I did manage to find real real teachers of the work. And unfortunately, they were under the spell of treating it cult ways. And so after a few years of working with these people, um, who the, I didn't feel like I had come to them like a student. They saw me as, you know, someone who had studied it my whole life. So it was like taken into the community very lovingly. Mm. And then it ended in a very like tragic, shocking, mm. horrible way in which I learned that, you know, cults are cults and they're going to be fucking weird. <laughs> and so the best thing ever happened to me, which is that they, they threw me out. They were like, we don't want to communicate with you anymore. And I think it was just because I was coming into such heightened states of being that it was in some ways threatening to those people. And so what I decided was I was going to bring this to the world in a way that wasn't dogmatic and wasn't uh, enshrouded in secrecy. Like it's not 17, you know, it's not like the 1600s, it's not the 1300s. We don't need to hide in like a cave somewhere studying spirituality because no one's going to scalp us in the street if we do. At this time, I get that that's always a danger for our spirituality. Mm, yeah, yeah, and it's also it's it's interesting just seeing the the line with any spiritual teaching where it becomes too rigidly attached to the knowledge and 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 performance orientated and groupy orientated. It's fascinating to watch uh, that those things transpire. I find. Is Why do you think that happens? Like, um, because it's more comfortable. Maybe maybe it's the tribe mentality of humans. Like I don't know. I grew up in a cult, so I I, I was born into it. So I had that. Had that environment from day was all I knew so when I left it that's what sent me into a mental crazy days but, but, but um which is but uh, I'm interested to know what you think it is like why do you think people is it the ego or is it like like with Osho like he didn't seem to like it just built towards that and he didn't seem to like I know no dismantle it because it was obviously feeding something wonderful in him or 
Maybe not. I wouldn't have a clue, really. I mean, I don't know. I've ha I know people who were part of the movement with him, and no one says anything negative about the experience. Oh, well, I guess no, I've met people who have, but most people report that he was a real teacher. And so when you're in the presence of a real teacher, it's like you pay the price. There's payment for everything, too, right? Like we live in a country, we pay the price of government and taxes and God knows the long laundry list of like, my tax money goes here and then they do really, really weird things with it that I did not agree to, you know, that kind of thing. So that's payment of being part of a country. And the same goes for any spiritual, you know, cult or whatever you're just, you're gonna pay a price. Humans are fucking, you know, we're not saints. We aren't, we're not a bunch of Jesus Christ. We're like a bunch of potentials for, we're like acorns. It's not a bunch of oak trees, you know? It's like a bunch of acorns. Like, usually acorns just lay on the fucking ground, nothing happens. <laughs> That's it. That's true. That's a great quote. Um, I wanted to see if there's any questions that are bubbling up to anyone's minds. Yeah, I've, I've gone through some trauma in the, in the last decade, and uh, it all came to a head within myself, and also suffered from some depression. And you know, but I'm I'm just an ordinary person raising kids in a house, difficult kids, also affected by the trauma, trying to do my best, and you know, keep the toilets clean. How do you, in a mundane life, how do you bring some of this, I don't know, wokeness into it, so that you can feel awake, alive, alert, open, and all, everything that you're, you're talking about. Yeah, it's such a great question that you're asking because everyone's life is one day, yeah. right? It's not yours specifically, even though you've selected to clean toilets inside of it, which are like you said, that, you know? Well, housework. Literally, whatever. But when we're doing those things, we can tell ourselves one of two stories. You know, one is we tell ourselves, this is miserable, I've been cursed, this sucks, I hate it. Why am I being given this destiny? Like, what is, you know, da, da. or we can look at any circumstance and say, how is this here to teach me? How is this here to serve me? And how can I show up as an opportunity inside this moment for something weird and magical to happen? Because anything can happen in any moment. It's really us. We are the vortex through which magic shit happens. I, I really struggle with, with that. You know, it's, I, I try to do that. Uh, but you know, it's very hard to see the point of all of that or the opportunity of all of that. That's a that's a hard practice. Mm. Yeah. yeah, my my thought on it is that um, and it's different for everyone, but my my current greatest challenge is not making my life about myself. Mm. That's all. Like I've got my dog just so I can have uh, something outside of myself to look at and have orientation towards. And I feel like in a relationship as well, that's what it is. It's like. I know I just get more joy out of just focusing on making other things happy around me than make because um, I spent so long and your your situation is probably completely different because I could, couldn't possibly relate but that that's my way in which I transcended by or transcended I'm not so I'm, not, I'm constantly trying to transcend um, my self obsession <laughs> like how can I be happy how can I be happy what's best for me what's next 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 this this is this chronic obsession with like bettering myself. And um, it's just, it was endless and um, yeah, that's, but again, it's probably completely different to your situation, but that's all that's jumped out at me. I think I just want to add one thing, which is also, I talk about this in my book and I call it asking. And this is like a form of prayer that's non-denominational, not related to God, it's like a Christian God, but just prayer 
of some kind where you become a trinity. Because right now you're not a trinity, you are a duality. And that sounds like hell, you know, because if you're going back and forth, then the only worlds you know are yes, no, good, bad, you know, happy, sad, then that's hell. But freedom is actually a third feeling and a third word, a third thing that doesn't exist on the to the, like this plane. And so I find that praying, which I call asking, allows me to connect to that. And so all I would do is just say to that thing, which I don't know what it is, just please help me. I don't know what I'm doing. I've hit a wall. Please help me. Show me something. Guide me. I'll do whatever you say. I did that for years, and my life went from, and we didn't get into it, but my life went from complete, obliterated, like, abject poverty to wealth. My life went from being single chronically to all the wrong boyfriends to being married, losing my child to now having a healthy baby. Like everything that could have been alchemized has been. So I can tell you from, as a person who actually did that, it all came from me just asking and then ob obeying that voice from within. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. And it's consistently asking, I suppose, as yeah. well, isn't it? And like having faith in it almost. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. I like that because it also breaks the wall. Like it breaks the wall of like that you're in control and it, it's humility ticket as well because you ask him for something outside right. of yourself because you realize you're a part of this great big old soup of life. Um, it's Grace. I can't see Grace. I don't know how much longer we've got left, but um, is there any other questions that anyone might have had? I know. What, do, what time is it? 22. 22, cool. Uh, we've got another five minutes, so that's good. Um, There's a question. I just have one more question about this fourth, is it way? Fourth way. Fourth way. Is that a series of practices? As, I, I don't know much about what it is. Yeah, it's, it's a whole system. It's a philosophical system that's based on using the fourth way system as a magnifying glass or a you know console through which to view reality. So my book is actually a dialed down version of fourth way work and I broke it down into, there's 48 laws that supposedly are pressing on us to prevent us from enlightenment. And I say supposedly because I can tell you they're fucking definitely here. <laughs> I have verified them to be real, but fourth way has nothing to do with me telling you anything. It has to do with you reading about the laws and then verifying for yourself, is this law working against me? How can I make it my bitch? and then going out to the world and making it your bitch. Now, there's 48 laws. I decided to only share 44 of them with the world. That's not because I'm an asshole and I like, don't want people to have the other four <laughs> laws, um, because you have to pay thousands of dollars when you come to my seminar to learn about those. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 really. um, seriously, it's because I felt like they were a little too woo-woo, and I'm trying to bring this to real people in a, a, t a different time where I didn't feel like speaking about like the planetary construction was going to be helpful. Um, I find that those teachings can be very uh, pushy, and they push people away. And I just want to like dance and laugh and fuck and connect. I want to be here. Like we had a sushi dinner the other night. That's spiritual. Like spirituality is right here. You don't need to learn about the other four cosmic laws. But the 44, I distilled and made them super easy so that you can kind of look at the laws and see how they're fucking with you. The other thing that fourth way is, is meditation without closing the eyes. So it's meditation in the real world by using a tool called divided attention. 
So you use it while you're at work or while you're flirting with someone or while you're, you know, at wanderlust, whatever. And it changes meditation, the context, right, which is like says and you need a cushion. Like you were saying, you're busy, you're like, you know, doing housework. How am I going to do meditation? It's like, well, divided attention allows you to do both simultaneously. And the beautiful thing about fourth way is that the people who studied fourth way, you just don't know that they're doing it because it's a secret. Like you're doing it while you're like, oh, you see this business suit? Oh yeah, I just like invested in this company. But what you don't know is that person is actually meditating while they're sitting with you because they're like doing it without, you know, there's no beads, there's no mala, there's no bindi, nothing. Just like straight up meditating in um, the real world. And the last thing I think that is really beautiful about fourth way is that it's designed, and I speak about this right at the beginning of the book, on a cross. So the cross is actually a symbol that was before Christianity adopted it. And the idea behind the cross is that it represents these two lines. Do you know them? Yeah, the little two light poles. Well, yeah, the, the horizontal line represents life, right? So it's like, you know, you're born, then you go to kindergarten, then you like, you know, blah, blah, things happen and then you die, right? And that's the horizontal line of life. And most people live on the horizontal line of life. But there's a vertical line going right through in the cross, right? And the vertical line is actually this invisible line that is completely unnecessary. You don't need it to get money. You don't need it to get a job. You don't need it to buy a dog. Like, you don't need it for anything. But it's actually one of the most important things in the world. And it's spiritual, the, the spiritual line. And fourth way work is actually saying that bliss happens when you pursue both lines with the same zeal. And at the cross section of those two lines is where life happens. So someone who's pursuing horizontal only can't have bliss. And someone who's pursuing like Om Shanti all day and writing like their vision board all morning and like that's it can't experience it either because that's all this. So you gotta do both. You gotta get out there and like get messy with life and fuck up and make mistakes and get rejected like I did yesterday. That was fun. <laughs> I shared about it on Instagram. Like, um, what happened? I was, I'm staying at this hotel and I just decided, I was like, oh, I'm just gonna try to move up to like the suite with the jacuzzi in it because I'm an influencer, right? So I was like, I can photograph it for you like while I'm here. And I just asked if I could move. And they said no. But <laughs> they said no because there was someone in the room. But but honestly, the truth is you that, was like, about that I was like, no, but it was really like it, it was hard to ask because my heart got like that fluttering feeling like, who the fuck do you think you are? Why do you get to stay for free in the suite with the jacuzzi? Like, who, you know, whatever. And also they're going to laugh at you, all those thoughts. And then the next feeling was I, they said no which suck too, right? And so we're like on our way to go pet koala bears at wherever that place is. And, and I was like dealing with the rejection. What's it called? Hillsville. Yeah, I was on my way to Hillsville and was like, oh, I'm not moving to the suite, you know? But the, the, the thing is, is that you gotta get after life and ask because maybe not this time, but like tomorrow or a week from now when I'm in Bali or Tulum or where the fuck, they're gonna move me to the suite because I fucking asked, you know? So just... You know, getting dirty in that way. Can you give us one of the laws? Say, let us give one of them away? Yeah, of course. Just I to mean, give us some nuts and bolts examples. Yeah, uh, one law. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> well, maybe one that's challenging you the most. 
in general. Oh, there's, there's, they're all always challenging bet, yeah. all of us because that's, and the good thing about fourth way is that if you took my book and you like started a little study group and just read one law a week and like looked and saw how it was fucking with you, you would never be done. Like you could do that for the rest of your life. You'd never be like, oh, I've mastered imagination. Like I'm fucking done, you know? <laughs> Um, so imaginations. What? Imaginations a law. Uh, the idea is that like we have imagination as part of our makeup, and it works against us. Like it's working against us, and the way that it does that is like right now we're talking, and you looked at me. Say you looked at me funny. You didn't. Thank you for not looking at me funny. But if you did, I could have been like, oh, he doesn't like me. Maybe I'm not cool enough for him. Wow. Maybe it's because he thinks I maybe I have like the hat, he thinks I'm pretentious. I don't know, like I could go into imagination. And so imagination is this thing that has us thinking we know things that we actually have no fucking idea about. Mm. And it fucks up our shit. So it so fucks up our shit. Assumptions. Yeah. Yeah, make terrible assumptions. Yeah. yeah. Because and they're pretty much always wrong. Well, yeah, <laughs> you know, totally. Like when you make an assumption of, of based on an insecurity, it's like usually someone's probably just got their own shit going on. But like you paint the story that it's yours. It's quite, wow. quite again self obsessed isn't it? Right. And then, but this is the whole thing. It's like if you're not willing to go for it on the horizontal plane, and you're not willing to go on the, on the spiritual plane, it's such an ebb and flow, right? It's like. Oh, now I'm going to meditate for 15 minutes. Like, okay, well, now I'm going to send a really difficult email. Are those different? Or are they both really radical spiritual acts? Depends what the email is. <laughs> um, we've got probably one type of one more question if anyone, if anyone wants to ask one. None, none. Good stuff. We'll, all right, go on, check Sorry, it. Sorry, I can ask a second. Yeah. Sorry, I'm hogging. I'm interested in that the idea of secrecy. It's something that's interesting in my in my work as well. And what your thoughts are on the ideas that there are all these practices that are secret. A lot of things have come out now and are in the public realm. And how do you manage when people are like, "You're not allowed." Yes. Happens. Happened to me with fourth way, yeah, and, and will probably happen more. I tell them to go fuck themselves first, <laughs> and, then, uh, and then I would say that the beauty of the, the current age that we live in is that we're living in what I call the supermarket of wellness. So we're hidden in plain sight. Like there's so much bullshit out there. All these people peddling like crystal this and blah blah. Like what in the 80s there was like psychic readings, 1-800 psychic reading, and it was everyone thought it was funny. You only did it if you were lonely. Now people are like really, like I went to a dinner the other night in LA and I shit you not, like five people at the table were like, I'm a psychic. I was like, I'm at the wrong dinner or you're really fucking scaring me right now. But I mean, not to say that they're not, like who's to say they're not psychics, but I believe they're not psychics, right? And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. And, and I, I believe that real teachers are hidden in plain sight. So it doesn't matter whether you come out with all the secrets because the good news is, when you say something that's so true, only the right people can hear it. Because it's, it's actually a frequency, it's not intellectual information. It's like me going like, oh, and like only some of you heard it because not all of you can receive that note. It's so beautiful. It's the same thing that calls us to community or friends. It's like we vibrate at a certain frequency and then we're guided to the correct students, the correct fans, the correct community, the correct Everything. Lovers, you know? Beautiful. Well, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Everyone can check you out on Instagram. What's your handle? At Guided by Viet. Lovely. Oh, I think you guys got some cards too, so. Oh, easy.
Easy done. Well, thanks again for your time and coming all the way out from the States. Thank you. It's so good to be with you.